Welcome to Bubbly Bibbly, the podcast about books and bubbles, literature and libations, authors and alcohol. We love books and bubbly. We are friends who offer a curated book review section on our website and a hilarious podcast. We discuss books, drinks, and stories from our lives. I'm Rachel. And I am Carmen. I'd like to remind our listeners that we had to take a break in our getting rid of books episode to allow you, Carmen, to breathe in and out of a paper bag. (laughs) You are so correct, my friend. I got the vapors and very nearly swooned. (laughs) And I remember correctly, we were talking about the results of Gigi Griffith's survey. And one of them was that over 25% of our respondents said that they do not use the library. Oh, (laughs) and right now to avoid another episode, I'm visualizing myself walking up the steps of the New York Public Library right there on Fifth Avenue and 42nd Street between the Marble Lions, affectionately named Patience and Fortitude. Deep breath in, deep breath out. Well, Carmen. You better keep on doing your breathing exercises because in this episode, we're talking about loving the library. I love that they named their lions. They're so cute. I know. And that was uh, that was during the Great Depression because Mm -hmm. they felt like the people needed patience and fortitude. And I just love that. Um, I just finished a book. Uh, written for middle grade kids titled King and the Dragonflies by Case and Calendar. Now, I chose this one because, as you know, I'm trying to intentionally read a diversified list this year. And this one checks several of the boxes that I would not originally gravitate toward. And I hate to say that because I'm, I am trying to expand my horizons, but I do want to naturally gravitate toward these diverse, you know, authors and subjects. But I mean, that's what this is all about. So this one is about a 12-year-old boy who is deep in the throes of grief after losing his brother and how that affects his family dynamics. He's also being bullied at school. His best friend just revealed that he's gay. And his other bestie, who's a female, has told him that she likes him more as more than just a friend. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's really packing a punch right there. Uh, I know. I know. And I've got to tell you, when I finished it, I think it is a must read for eight to 12 year olds. And I posted this on my personal blog about why I think this is. And I invite our listeners to go there and check out my rationale. And then I also have, of course, the review on bubblybibbly.com. Well, I'm not so diversified. I'm still, I'm finishing The Duke and I by Julia Quinn. That is for my book club this month. Um, It's diversified on the Netflix series. Um, But as far as what it is actually about, the debutante season, and it's all the Dukes and and all the little princesses and all the upper crust of London society getting together, and putting their daughters out there trying to find them a husband. 
What is the time frame? It's uh, 14. I don't know. <laughs> I got to think about that now. <laughs> it, they, they didn't have cars. Um, it's um, um 14. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. I'm sure it's listed in there somewhere. But so when you say Netflix is diversified, what does that mean? They have a multicultural cast? Correct. Oh, they nice. Do. Yeah, it's really nice. And the Duke is amazing to see. Oh, hello. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm not, I'm, I don't mind reading this at all. <laughs> I see. And it sounds like I won't mind checking out the series on Netflix. No, I think that might be a good checkout. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, in honor of our topic today, I chose a recipe from a book that our friend Gay sent me at the holidays. Thank you, Gay. It's called Tequila Mockingbird Cocktails with a Literary Twist. And it's written by Tim Federley, illustrated by Lauren Mortimer. And for this episode, I made the Count of Monte Cristal, which is a splash of elderflower liqueur in a glass of sparkling wine. And of course, it does call for Cristal, but I am drinking Prosecco because I'm a woman <laughs> on a budget. Well, since we're talking about the love of the library, um, I went back to my first love, which is like sparkling wine or champagne, but in this case, I'm drinking Lamberti, which is a rosé sparkling wine, which is one of my favorites. My neighbor, Pat, turned me on to this uh, wine, and it is delicious. It's one of my favorites. We'll have to check it out. Anything that pops when you open it is a winner. Yeah. The nerd in me wants to talk about the origins of the library and how censorship has always been an enemy of the written word. It was so typical to destroy texts and histories during war. And I read when an early Chinese dynasty destroyed all of the written works in order to make themselves look like history had started with their particular dynasty. But the next dynasty, which was the Han dynasty, H-A-N, they set things back to rights and even started a classification system. Well, that's interesting. I know like on the African content, uh, the library in Alexandria is said to be the largest and most significant library at that time. Mm -hmm. And basically Alexander the Great who was a former student of Aristotle, wanted to collect knowledge from all over the world. And he had plans for the library, but died before he could build it. Successor, Ptolemy I, built it, started from scratch, created a rendition that would house all of the collection. So it started as scrolls. And as philosophers came to Alexandria and study and visited, they would leave their work. So because Alexandria was such a popular shipping port, the collections grew really quickly. And Ptolemy I was still wanting to house a copy of every book in the world. Yeah, Ptolemy I, he was quite um, quite um, ambitious when it came to the library. And it grew and became more and more prominent over the next few years. It's really interesting how he collected everything. When when ships would come into port, he would send scroll collectors to the ship. They would collect the scrolls, bring them back, and copy them. 
But Ptolemy mm-hmm. kept the originals and gave the copies back to the original owners, which absolutely cracked me up. And That's funny. I know he sent out ships that were uh, specific to find books and scrolls and uh, literature. He sent those out and everyone who came into port had to share everything written on their ship with Ptolemy. So um, it really, really grew, became more prominent over the next few hundred years. Then Julius Caesar conquered that area, and part of the library was destroyed in a fire. Now, a lot of comments and notions tend toward the the popular idea that the library was completely destroyed in the fire, but it was not, because there continued to be writings and examples of where people continue to go to the library. So part of it still existed. Um, But in the centuries that followed, leaders went from Greek to Roman to Christian to Muslim. And each time that leadership of that area changed, they saw the information available and the education happening as more of a threat than um, a, a, a positive. And there was even a case of Christian leaders killing a female mathematician because she was studying ancient calculations, and they believed that was blasphemy. So, um, of course, since the library is funded by kings, when the kings stopped supporting it, it slowly fell into disrepair. And that, coupled with ongoing wars, we are left with not one stone from the original. Mm, that's so sad. Yes. And as we fast forward with the world becoming smaller through travel and later through technology, suffice to say that the library has come a long way since Alexandria. Mm-hmm. But let's freshen up our drinks and reminisce about library in our days. Okay, Rachel, I have to admit, uh, first of all, I'm really looking forward to this section because we're going to do some reminiscing here. Um, And you and I are are both from the same generation. And so we're going to have a lot to say. Uh, But when you have to use something, when you have to, it's just not that fun. There's something about having to do a chore that makes it different from choosing to do it. And and I don't know why. I mean, it's still work. It's still a chore. And I have a feeling you are talking about the dreaded term paper, right? <laughs> oh, my. How things have changed. First of all, once you chose your topic, you had to go to the periodical index, which was a yearly book, all the magazine articles by subject. And once you found that article you wanted, you had to go to the magazine itself, read it. However, the library had a lot of periodicals on microfish. Do you even know what that is? (laughs) (laughs) Millennials. And okay, so when you walk into the library in our day, Let's just let's just envision it. You walk into the library, there is a reference desk. And I remember in the Huntsville Public Library, which is is where we spent some time, and in the University of Alabama Library, which is where we spent some time, all of the periodical indexes were 
together. So you sat at this huge table and you went through every periodical index making notations. And do you remember they had little boxes with tiny like Ikea pencils that you could use to make your notes? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't call those Ikea pencils. They're putt-putt pencils. <laughs> you know, you would use them for putt-putt, right? Yes. Big ones. Yes. And it's like, you, so you had to write, and then you felt, I felt like I had to write really small because they're really tiny. I don't know why. That's ex- But that's right. And so you put all of those <laughs> on the piece of paper, and then you have to go and find these articles. So the article could be from Field and Stream or it could be from Psychology Today. Right. And and there was um there was uh file cabinet after file cabinet of these boxes, little boxes like almost four by four that yes. had had rolls of how would you describe it to today's generation? Microfish. It's like a negatives. It you know, is. And you, put them, and you put them in the machine and it's like. Just, uh, just, just. Yes. Yeah. So you had to thread it. You had to thread yes. like you yes. were watching an old timey movie on an eight millimeter projector. Yes. So you had to thread it through and. Okay, so the microfish machine was a projector that enlarged this negative of a magazine, newspaper, or or whatever else it was. Then you had to scroll through using this handle. Yeah, and if you're lucky, you got the the newfangled one where you just zzz, you know, like it just it was like a um, like a little gear, like a gear or something. Yes. 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 Now, some of them had a a handle that you had to, to have and like rotate and other ones had like a knob. Yes. And, um, so you found your spot and I was always terrified that I would ruin the microfiche, um, or that it would catch on fire because that machine, <laughs> that machine oh, got yeah. so hot. It was like an easy bake oven. I know. You felt like you were getting a sunburn <laughs> from the light bulb. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, did you, did you ever go to the library for anything other than a research paper you had to write? Oh, no, I would, I would go. So in fifth grade, I was the library aide. Oh, girl. So, so I got to go at Mountain Gap and be the library aide. And it was just a small library, but it was so nice. You walk in, of course, you have that library smell. And then you've got all the, you know, now the fifth index grade, card. Fifth grade, is that elementary or is that junior high school? It was still elementary. Okay, okay. But fifth grade, you're the big cheese. Exactly. Okay. But it was just so fun to go in there and I could just walk through and I tried not to help anybody because I wanted to go through and look at all the new titles and figure out which one, you know, what book I wanted to read next. And I got to check out like five books instead of three books because I was a library <laughs> aid. And I mean, it was so good. I loved it. Did you actually have it, any, any chores, any tasks to do? No. Yeah. Yeah. I had to put the books up. But, you oh, know, that's not hard. I know, I know but it just was so fun. You had to know the Dewey Decimal System. System. Yes, I did. Oh, my God. It was so fun. And then you had to go like, you know, 100.34, 100, 
you know, 0.345 and, you know, you had to like really. Yes. Yes. And put them up correctly. Yeah. It was so fun. And it was right next to the cafeteria. So I always remember the pizza smell because I was a library aide on Fridays. You know, you had pizza and corn. And and so you always had that smell. So whenever I think about like. So whenever whenever you think about whenever you smell pizza, you think about books. Sometimes, yeah. Oh, that <laughs> is so funny. When I would walk it, it was sneak. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that is so funny. Um, so um, do you remember getting anything out of like, so let's go to the public library. Did you, when you yeah. were not in school, did you visit the, the public library, the Huntsville Public Library? Yes. Yeah, so we would take the kids a lot. <clears throat> no, but I mean, they- as you were a kid. Thinking about it, I don't really remember getting any movies or record albums or anything like that. But um, there were no personal computers, so that really wasn't an option. So when the kids were born, we would go and take take them to the library and go to... They had storytelling. They had they did have movies then, and the kids just loved it and getting their own card and having their own section and being able to move up in the sections really was fascinating to them. So they loved it. Do you think when we were, were kids or growing up or even in high school, do you remember the libraries having that multimedia stuff? Cause I, I don't remember. I only remember the library from my childhood as a place to do research. Really? No, I mean, research, research and reading was basically the two things. But once the, I guess around 90, 91, things Mm -hmm. started changing for the library and they Mm -hmm. started being more of a community center. People could meet there and they would Mm -hmm. have pottery classes and theaters and readings and poetry and storytelling. And there was a lot. And, you know, I, I think I even remember one time, like the Huntsville Public Library gave out cards to the botanical gardens one year you know to the galaxy of lights or things like that so there was a lot of back and forth yeah that, so now i mean now i think it's like a center of the community oh yeah yeah that's that's um those are good memories um when my boys were toddlers we went to the library probably three times a week and we lived in this tiny tiny city um west of philadelphia called birdsboro and they had a very limited area but we always brought home a ton of books and i really tried to make it an adventure and you know anytime a parent takes three three-year-olds out of the house It's a freaking adventure. Yes. Oh, yes, girl. And that's not (laughs) always like a fun one, I bet. I'm sure sure you were chasing around those boys more Mm. than once. Mm. But after we get a refill, let's bring the library home into the 21st century. So there are some who think that the library is becoming more and more obsolete thanks to technology. But that could not be further from the truth. In actuality, the library has been beautifully kept up with technologies and all the changes. And 
it has changed right along with it. It stayed with the times. You are absolutely right, Rachel. Um, Today's library may look different, but it's still a really vital and booming part of any community. And I love that you said in the 90s, it was really emerging as a community center because that is exactly what it is today. In addition to books, you can find newspapers, magazines, graphic novels, music, Uh, movies, CDs, Uh and uh, even tools to learn a foreign language. There are lots of activities and programs for children. Support for local schools, reading lists, and the summer reading, homework help, Mm -hmm. and classes on babysitting uh, certification. They also offer reading groups, uh, many several groups, each with a dedicated theme like a mystery group or classics or comics. So on, you know, there's also tons of author events, lectures, exhibits, uh, fun things like they have bingo night, movie night. (laughs) Speaking of classes, this is where the library has really stepped up their game. They have classes for so many things, so many different roles in the community, so many so many needs that our community has right now, especially during COVID. Um, there are computeracy, literacy, computer. Rubbing <laughs> <laughs> up on you, girl. Wait a minute. Let me take a, let me take a, a, a swig of gin. Okay. I'm waiting. I know okay. what you meant, though. <laughs> there are computer literacy classes workshops on writing resumes, interview skills, and just kind of overall workforce development and instruction on programs like Excel, Word, PowerPoint, you know, others that you're going to need in a in, in a desk um, administrative type job. Plus, they have a business center. So they offer business center services like copying, printing, faxing, scanning, emailing, um, oh my goodness, there are meeting rooms available. I know our library um, has meeting rooms available that can handle small study groups or very large meetings. We've met and there it, before. Our sororities met there before. Really? I missed that meeting. Yeah, it was really good. It was a while ago, but yeah, we've met oh, there a couple of times. It's really nice. It's a really you know, nice library. Before COVID, they typically have some very good lecture series. There is uh, a woman locally. Her name is Dr. Whitney Snow. Shout out to you, Whitney Snow. And she just wrote a book. And um, in the non-COVID time, you know, she would come to the library, do a reading. She would answer questions and really just foster that sense of community and talk about the subject of her book. But um, the other great thing that I love about our library is there is an entire floor of ancestry and genealogy genealogy research. Um, So they have historical documents. They have all of the online resources that you can do that kind of research. Uh, But then there are also exam proctoring services, notaries, free Wi-Fi, and oftentimes, thank you, friends of the bookstore, a bookstore. I know. Oh my gosh. I love grabbing those books. You know, um, I went to the friends of the library. Every time I go to Huntsville, 
I go to the friends of the library store and uh, I look at the hardbacks first, the the uh-huh. trade paperback second, and then I go to the YA section and I always leave with no less than four books. And it's so funny because I went this past week and um, my... I think my total, I had four books and my total was $7. So I gave, I gave the lady a 20, uh, the volunteer back there gave her a 20 and I said, keep the rest of it for the library. And so she thanked me and I left. And then I, I heard, I was walking down the, the pavement and I heard books for that. <laughs> well, I heard ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. And I turned around and she said, you know, you gave me a 20. Did you, did you think you were giving me a 10? And I said, no, I'm giving $13 to the library. And she said, well, that was sweet. You're, you're our biggest tip today. <laughs> Carmen's a big tipper. But listen to this. She gave me a, um, a Werther's candy. <gasps> oh, and if that's my favorite. If that's oh not worth $13, I don't know what is. Werther's are amazing, by the way. (laughs) I got to tell you, Carmen, I love libraries, not just ours and not just my schools and, you know, anything like that. But we always go about every other year to go see John's brother in Oregon. And we go skiing out there in a place called Bend, Bend, Oregon. B-E-N-D, Bend. mm -hmm. And we normally stay at we have stayed. We've changed where we stay because there's more of us now. But we used to stay at this place in downtown Bend called McMinnon Old St. Francis School. It used to be a nunnery. Oh, my. <laughs> it was if, I, a, if I walked in there to stay, it, it would it, probably set on well, fire. They, yes. It, no. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> me too. But we actually stayed. So it's like a whole block it's really a nice, it's really interesting. So the McMinnon brothers own a lot of small antique-ish places uh, from Seattle down. And they buy old buildings and turn them into these little um, B&B kind of things. But two blocks away is the downtown Bend Library. Hello. I always would take one day because everyone would go up to the slopes. And I don't know if you see me, but I'm not necessarily a slalom school girl. Um, So I would take a day, go to the library, then go shopping. They have an outdoor, they have an outdoor place. So I'd go to Ben, the downtown library, go and read a couple of hours and then take the shuttle and go shopping. Maybe go to Deschutes Brewery and hang out and then head back. And it was always fun because I could always get, um, find a book that I want to read, read about half of it, and then I could pick it up when I got home or, or whatever. So it was always a fun, fun thing to do is when you're in a new place, go to the library. Oh my God, that is such a good story. I love I that. It's so nice. And that, the the school where we stayed, we actually stayed in the, you can do it like a little rooms or we would stay in the, the actual nunnery, which is a little house. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, they had a pool, a, like alfresca pool. So like one night we would be in the pool and it'd be like snowing down into <gasps> it. It was like an open ceiling. Oh my god! It's so cute. And then they have like a, a nice, they have a little brewery there and they have a great restaurant and you can walk around the whole area. It was just a lot and of it- fun. 
And the, the next library, time you go, can I be your plus one? Great. And they would let me check out the books, even though I did, I could get a card and check out a book because they knew I was where I was staying. And I was like, I'll bring it back. So I'd either read a book or get a book while I was there. So it was always a great place. And of course, John is always reading of mice and men. <laughs> he will pick it up in the I swear he gravitates to that in every airport. And I have to pull him away. I'm like, get the Stephen King book. And he's like, no. So the next time you go to Bend, Oregon, can I be your plus one? Yes. Sure. But you have to drop me off at the nunnery. (laughs) It is. You have to look it up. And they have really cool hotels all the way from Seattle down <clears throat> and they it's real they're all quirky in their own way I oh my it. gosh you know um my my mom and I went on a trip with my aunt and grandmother my aunt Margaret um and we were in St. Augustine Florida I and love that place oh I know mm. I know oldest city in the United States I know and they have some of the best restaurants paella oh and and you know what? You know who lives in St. Augustine, Florida? Friend of Bubbly Bibbly, Tony Franzi. <gasps> no way! Hey, Tony! Yeah. When are you going to have yeah. us down? We need to come down and see you. He and his beautiful wife live in St. Augustine. But we were visiting St. Augustine when I was younger, and my Aunt Margaret had on a T-shirt with a famous quote from William Shakespeare, Get thee to a nunnery. And I, I'm gonna have shirt. to. It, We're gonna have to make that shirt now and put it in Bubbly Bibbly. We are totally gonna. That have is to amazing. Do okay, we've gotten <laughs> off the subject a little bit, but okay. That Bubbly Bibbly listeners, it's just a fraction of why you need to fall in love with your library. Yes. And the sound of our cheering fans means it's time for listener comments. When we asked the question, how many books do you read at one time? Nancy wrote one audio in car, one fiction on my Kindle at night in bed and a couple art books during the day. Sounds like heaven, Nancy. Oh, I love the couple of art books during the day. Um, And to that same question, Tony who we just talked about from St. Augustine. Tony. Oh, my God. Tony is one of my favorite people in this entire world. Um, But Tony told us just one. I enjoy knowing the characters and think about them long after I put the book down. If I read more than one, I feel like I'm cheating on the other book. And then I (laughs) he says, I know, Carmen. I know. (laughs) Tony. You must have seen me shaking my head and smiling, buddy. Let us know how you use your library. And if you're a library worker, let us know how you're keeping your library involved in the community during COVID. Check us out on our Facebook page and our Facebook group, Instagram and Pinterest. And visit us at www.bubblybibbly.com where you can click Read, follow, mix, buy, and get some great ideas. Basically, it's the adult version of a toddler's busy board. And Carmen put this in here just for me. 
Because remember, J.K. Rowling said, when in doubt, go to the library. Go to the library. Amen, girl. 